0: In the last two episodes, we've spoken a lot about the fundamentals and and the the underpinnings of of data intelligence and about AI, ML, DL, all these things. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, right, you and I, we both sell to the channel. So how does the channel get involved? What are the opportunities for the channel today? How do resellers, MSPs, service providers, Mm. systems integrators, how do they actually get involved? For me, you know, they've spent a lot of time telling their customers store data, mm-hmm. they've told their customers, um, you know, or, or they might have implemented ETL and, and business intelligence processes many years ago, but how do they get involved in, in what we've, we've spent the last few weeks discussing?
1: Yeah, I, I, I think that's a great point, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, if, we, if we look at the the podcast we did a couple of weeks ago, and the the very first point that that I think you made, which was about how ultimately what we're talking about here is is data, and how for a long time we've been telling people, as an IT industry, we've been telling consumers of IT to save their data, Mm -hmm. frankly. So we've been telling them to keep it. Um, And if you look at any machine learning, deep learning, AI solution, what drives it, what makes it successful is the data, it's the underlying information that the system learns on. And I think that, to a channel organisation, is a real advantage. Mm -hmm. Because the channel, our channel partners, our channel partners, are in essence the custodians of our end customers' data, right? They own that, they're the trusted advisor to the end consumer of the IT for data storage for data access, for all of these solutions, right? And they turn to, the, the end customer turns to our partner channel in, in faith about storing their data, about how much they should store, where they should be yeah. storing it, how they should access it. And, and I think that's the key, is that the, the channel organisation are already the custodians of the data.
0: Yeah, and actually, I think, sort of to take that one step further, they are the bringers of change for the next Wave of what the end customer does with the data. Mm -hmm. Um, And I come back to a point we made a couple of weeks ago, which was about, you know, if you're looking for reasons to go in and have a conversation, GDPR is an amazingly good one. As I said, if you're listening pre or post the 25th of May in 2018, you know, customers are going to have a huge amount of data they need to do something with. They need to delete it or GDPR it. And, you know, an average cost to GDPR, a single terabyte of data per year is about $10,000. Yeah, It's expensive stuff. Mm-hmm. So you need to be thinking about other things you can do with the data and turning it into information, you know, information and anonymized information about your customer base, about something, about how your customers use the service or product you sell mm. is incredibly valuable. And then ridding yourself of that very, I don't want to say dangerous, but very sort of... Um, expensive and complex to secure now, private, personal data for data. Exactly right. So they're the custodians of our
1: end customers data. Great. And now we're in a position where we say, hey, why don't you do something with that? Really? Why don't you do something really useful? Yeah. Why don't you use that data to change your business? What hurts your organisation? Yeah. Not what do you think you can do with IT, but what business problem do you actually want to solve for? And I'd imagine a lot of customers will look back at you with a completely blank face, with no idea what problem they want to solve for, if they could solve anything. But I think that's important. And I think that's the kind of question that we should be asking, is what, what do you want to do? Well, this brings me
0: on to a really good point, is what sort of questions, conversations, should our, end should our partners be listening for, mm. be thinking about, what questions should they be asking? Because... I think one of the single biggest differences between every conversation they probably had before about infrastructure, storage, security, even cloud, is that it moves away from a "how do you do this" into a, you know, fundamentally, what outcome are you looking for? You know, and, and very much away from a IT-driven conversation into yeah. an incredibly um, sort of almost de- departmental-centric organ- conversation. So. Yeah, you know, we looked at. Um, so we've got a, a partner who's doing some stuff in construction, mm-hmm. and uh, they said, "Okay, we're not we're not doing construction because construction is like a thousand different outcomes. We're doing literally crane safety, and we're specifically doing this subsection of crane safety." Yeah. And I was like, "That that's a big enough opportunity." Mm-hmm. They're like, "Yeah, it's huge. Yep. You've got to think how much one of these cranes is worth." Da 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 da. And I was like. So that one outcome drives an entire analytics platform yep. and that makes economic sense. And they're like, yeah, ridiculously so. And if you take that methodology, you know, the discreteness with which analytics or the outcomes are going to be driven, the com- it totally changes the conversation our partners can have because it goes yep. from a, we'll build a platform and everything can sit on it yeah. to, okay, HR and specifically you know, staff retention how can we help you what what are the questions you're asking that you don't have the answers to at the moment exactly exactly i think
1: for, for so long, our end customers are used to having us go in and say, you can do anything you want, provided what you want to do is one of these six features <laughs> of the technology, right? Yeah. Uh, and and that, that's mm-hmm. how we've been having those conversations. Yeah. And our and our, our business partners, our, our channel organisation, are really good at having those conversations, Absolutely, right? Yeah. They've made businesses of it. And now we're in a position where we can go and have... Another really exciting conversation where we get to go in and say, "What do you want to do?" Let's keep this about your
0: business. What do you want your business to be able to do? And the nicest thing is, you can start to bring in um, some of the best conversations we've ever had as an example, rather than giving some sort of, you know, hopeful answer. Some of the best conversations we've ever had is where we've said, "Leave IT out," because IT are the, with all due respect, IT, and believe me, I've worked in IT departments. I run an IT department. I'm not against IT. But the problem with IT is they are the purveyors of what they can do yes. and what they can manage. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the biggest ways that, that this, this new wave of, of, of technology will be delivered is as a service by our retailers and by our service providers and by our um, systems system integrators. I think they're going to deliver these outcomes as quantified dashboards mm-hmm. or visualizations or reports or APIs or whatever it may be. But But don't let and this sounds terrible, and I do apologise, and I'm going to get ridiculed for this on Twitter, I do apologise, but don't let IT be the sort of the ceiling to what you think is capable. Hmm. Ask the question and, and see what the answer is. Literally, go and ask the question of, I want this outcome. I want to be able to answer this question. We'll come on to the real-time question in a minute, but I want to ask this question. I want it this quickly and this frequently... Could you please, could, can that be done? Yeah.
1: And, yeah the, and see what the answer is. Well exactly, like like the example that you just gave about crane safety. This this is the problem that our business has. Forget the rest of it, forget building anything. That's yeah. not the problem our business has. We have a problem with crane yeah. safety. And it and it might not be the problem you're expecting. No. It no, might, no. If you, yeah. I think that's the other thing that I really enjoy about this, is every meeting I go to, the kind of preconceptions I have before I go in are immediately dispelled. Yeah. Because whatever use case you go in there thinking the customer is going to say back to you, they won't. Yeah. And I think that's what makes it so fun. So you can go in there and have absolutely no preconceptions and just go where the customer wants to go and solve the problem they have at a business level. And I think the other really powerful thing about doing that or positioning it that way is from, from, a, from an investment point of view, from a stakeholder point of view, generally the person with the business problem has a monetary value they can assign to it yep. and how much it will cost them to yes. solve that problem it
0: becomes hyper quantifiable yes and i think that's one of the key metrics to determine the success or failure of a of a of a one of these opportunities is can it be quantified in just literally sitting around and saying does the cost of the system outweigh or or in way, if that's even a phrase it is now Um, Somebody will correct you on Twitter. Circa circa David Fern, (laughs) 2018. um, Does it in way the the value that you can derive from from doing it? Yeah. You know, it it comes down to some of the things we were talking about in previous episodes about, you know, before having these automated systems, you just wouldn't have asked the question because you'd have turned and gone, right, so fundamentally that's just going to cost too much money to do. Mm -hmm. So there's just absolutely no point in doing it. Mm -hmm. Whereas actually with... and, And I think... So... One of the things we always say to our customers, and, and actually some of the biggest customers we have, is you don't know what you don't know. Mm. So you don't know whether or not this system exists, so don't think that it doesn't exist just because you don't know it exists. It's quite a, and actually some of the best IT departments we've found are the ones that, that put their hand up and say, we don't know what we don't know, so come and have a conversation with us. Mm. But more importantly. Have a conversation with the people that actually have the problem that need that outcome more than anything else.
1: Exactly right. Exactly right. And and actually, <laughs> um, IT are going to thank you for it, right? Yeah, because you're if taking, some, yeah. well, you, I mean, you're essentially going to be working with IT to bring budget to them.
0: Yeah. Frankly, um, to
1: invest. And I mean, what IT more important? Bite your I arm think off.
0: one of the things that IT over the last few years have realised more than anything else is that IT's customers are the end users, yeah. and happy end users. When they're dealing with IT, mm. be it analytics or whatever, just are a lot less demanding, which means that the IT department gets to work on more interesting projects. So, exactly right. the more interesting, and plus with IT becoming more um, prolific in an organisation, I think it, it needs to be almost. Um, democratized almost where it becomes a lot less centralized a lot more decentralized in its decision making and yeah. but anyway we are very much digressing so back to the channel and back to what the channel can do to essentially help their own customers to drive these outcomes have these conversations so so obviously a very small percentage of our channel today mm-hmm. are machine learning experts are deep learning experts um could quantify in any way, shape, or form that they are involved really in the value chain of processing or taking data and turning it into information for a customer. So where where's does a customer where does a reseller start? You know what do they what do they get on the mm-hmm. yeah on the, sure. uh, so, the, so I think data they... analytics or data intelligence roadshow, Bandwagon or whatever you wanna call it.
1: Yeah, of course. So so I think I think there's a couple of things. The first thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, and this, this, I think, goes back to that traditional model, is that often when we talk about a technology, we will talk about use cases in terms of industry sector. So we'll say, hey, for this industry, there are these six use cases. You know, they're, um, I don't know, customer segmentation, fraud detection, intelligent pricing, whatever it might be, and and that's for financial services. Yeah. Um, and we'll repeat that for every different industry vertical, and then we'll... Move on to yeah. the next industry vertical, and that's how we we'll position it. So, whenever you go out and have a conversation with a the customer, these are the six things you will talk about. I think that paradigm doesn't fit this space. Um, I think that actually, if you look at if you look at the way that's done, if you look at those different workloads, machine learning, artificial intelligence is is about breaking it down so you don't have those industry verticals. You've got use cases, but they're not aligned to industry verticals. So, if we go back to that construction company they are absolutely going to be as interested in intelligent pricing and stuff like that um, and knowing how much they should be spending on materials as, as a, a bank is in knowing yeah. what their mortgage rates should be. Uh, and I think, I think that's the point, is if you go in there constrained with thinking, well, I need six different things to talk to this customer about in this industry sector and I need six relevant use cases, you're going to struggle. I think if you go in there with, well, these are interesting use cases across a variety of different customers, in a variety of different industry sectors, I'm going to go and have a Mm -hmm. conversation about these, I think you're going to be more successful. So I think that's the first place. I think the second thing is, as custodians of the data, it's about going and talking to the, uh, back to IT, the people that we sold that data to and saying, hey, what's happening with this data? Who are IT's customers Mm -hmm. that are using this data? And what are they using it for? And what do they want to use it for? What are they actually trying to do, but maybe they can't do because they're constrained by their other technology limitations? What are the business use cases? What business problems is your data being put to use for? And it might be the case that overall the business thinks, actually, do you know what? We need to solve for this problem. And to fix this problem, we need data we've not got. We need social media data. We need weather data. Fine. I think it's about establishing what that problem is. Yeah. Go. It should be use case that. It should be about going and having that really exciting conversation. That is, what do you want to build? Mm. What do you want your business to transform into? Yep. Um, and I really do think it's about having the conversation.
0: So, and I couldn't agree more. It, you just mentioned it's a transformative conversation. Mm. It's about taking you from where you are today to where you desire to be. Yeah. Um, one of the things I'd, I'd add on top of that is I don't think our partners should be terrified that they're not data scientists. No. no. If you don't know all of the underlying complex stuff, the algorithms, the machine learning, logistic regression, whatever it may be, yeah, yeah, you don't have to be terrified because actually there's a huge purpose for you still in this world. And there's a huge opportunity to, much as it might sound dirty, make money because um, there's a big uh, review at the start of this year about... So back in 2016, the value of a data scientist was exponentially more than an industry specialist. But now actually we're starting to see parity, maybe in some in some ways... Being an industry specific expert and having very basic machine learning, actually just more than anything else, understanding what algorithm to apply, mm-hmm. but understanding the exact data to plug into the algorithm is now more invaluable. So if you're a if you're a reseller that really understands your vertical, really understands your customers, understands what understand what data that makes them tick, once again, as you said earlier on, throwing more data, but actually more personally throwing the right data at the machine learning problem, will be more advantageous than further tuning and and fine-tuning the Mm. algorithm underlying the data. Because actually, having the right dimensionality, not too much, not too little, will give you a much more um, informative answer than throwing the wrong data at the right algorithm and tuning it to the nth degree. Because you're just going to get either a biased answer or you're going to get an answer that's, that's not quite right. So what I'm trying to say is, for the retailers listening out there, you know, I think one of the big opportunities for them moving forward, if we, if we move into sort of more of a what's the future opportunities for the partners outside of going and identifying the opportunities and working with the more advanced partners and, and, and consultancies out there to help them deliver these um, outcomes, is going and creating data sets, highly refined data sets for their customers. Yeah. You know, there's been this term, data is in oil, for years now. I actually think we're getting to the point where it does genuinely make sense and data is becoming the new oil. because if you as a partner can create highly refined data sets, say you're a, once again, let's go back to the construction example. Mm. If you can create highly refined data sets of um, locations, of, of all the things that, that all you know those construction companies use to, to generate information about where, what plots of land they should go and buy to go and build new sites... And you can essentially create the biggest data set, tagged data set, really easy to access. Um, And then you can either sell that data set or sell it as an API.
1: As a service. As a service.
0: That's a great first step on the road to becoming a very, very powerful player in this space. And, And essentially, all you've got to do is just understand the sector, understand what data needs to go into one of these data marts, data warehouses, whatever you want to call it that creates, that then goes and trains the machine learning, that trains the deep learning, that creates this overlay AI capability for that. And it's all about that pragmatic approach.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And our, and our partner organisation, the retailer organisation, are already there. Yeah. They are, all, even if they're not doing that, they are already absolute experts Absolutely. in their chosen fields. And I think it's about using that, identifying what pitfalls there are across their entire customer base, and looking to either build solutions for those or to work with their customers to collaborate and fix them. And, and there, there's, uh, I agree with the point that you made, is there's no need to kind of be apprehensive and reticent because you're not a data scientist. Yeah. And I think for this technology to become truly ubiquitous, um, and this is another thing I'm really passionate about, it needs to be completely democratised, right? We, Absolutely, it, it needs yeah. to be that anybody can put this yeah. stuff together Um, uh, we were talking just before the podcast about how everybody not everybody but everybody can put together a spreadsheet in excel and maybe add a macro Mm. or do some basic formulas in that in the same way that ultimately everybody and i know this is far off thinking who knows but ultimately i think you know five ten years time everybody will be in a position where they can apply machine learning to their day job uh,
0: it's not i couldn't agree more i actually think that the the software development you know, companies that are developing, developing software today that is very command-line or Python-based or very, very highly refined, very intelligent, they will democratise it to the point where they see the value in building a, a graphical um, development studio. Yeah, yeah. So it becomes drag-and-drop building blocks. Yeah, yeah. And it becomes literally point your data... Or point a subset of your data at this, and then there's already this already exists in certain tools where you can start on a subset and then point it at the billion rows and the twenty different dimensions of data. We're getting there really quickly, right? Exactly, and it will be drag and drop, and it will be tooling that people you know, you know, you can already do a lot of. You know, there's a machine learning plug-in to Excel, for example, because a lot of people know and love Excel. So why would you not leverage that tool as as a start of a ten? But you're absolutely right. Democratization will drive, and I think there's been a huge democratization in the open source movement i think we've seen for me personally i thought we would be here in three or four years time Mm -hmm. i honestly didn't you know I, i stood up and did a big presentation in 2015 about 2020 in fact it was 2014 about 2020 it was six years out very odd not quite our tagline um but nevertheless we did this thing and i was like yeah you know machine learning i'll be able to basically look at what you know, someone's bought on here and, and be able to, you know, correlate that with a, some that IoT type sensors yeah, they're wearing. And yeah. Back then, I, everyone was like IoT, and I was connected fridges, and that was yeah, a great example. This guy's mad. Yeah, and, and I was saying, you know, be able to connect all this data, and it will give you predictions on what present you should buy your dad for Father's Day. Everyone was like, and I said, but don't expect to see this technology. And even I, and I was really quiet. I like to think I was, well, some level of, of technologist. Um, and I said, this is university stuff today. It will be mainstream-ish by 2020.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I was so... I, I low-bought that so ridiculously. Well, you oh conservative, though. I, yeah. I was so conservative. And, and you know what? I was completely wrong. And I'm so pleased I was completely wrong because it is now general purpose technology. Mm -hmm.
1: Absolutely right. Absolutely right. And I think if we go back to... uh, Democratising it gives us another thing as well, right? It doesn't just mean that it'll become ubiquitous and everybody will be able to get access to it, but it will also mean that we're putting the hands of doing the data science, that niche job, back in the hands of the expert. Yes. If you look at... The, um, I think, uh, go, refer back to a use case we had in an earlier podcast of detecting cancer. Mm-hmm. The expert in detecting cancer is your clinician. Yeah, it's your not doctor. not a machine. Not that, a it's data not, scientist. not a data scientist. No. Right? It's not somebody who understands TensorFlow. It's no. a doctor. It's the doctor you want yeah. pulling that together, ultimately. And I think that's where we're headed. And I think we're headed in, in that direction a lot faster than we think. Um, having said that, today organizations are still trying to apply this technology and and data scientists are you know available we've as you mentioned we've got partners that are um providing consultancy services around this as a value add so if you're looking to get started in this space and you think well i've got a business problem but i don't know i don't have any data scientists i wouldn't even know where to go and find a data scientist and i probably wouldn't want to employ them full-time that's a problem we can solve today as well i i think it will be evolving as we move forward though
0: Fantastic. Look, thank you, Chris. I really appreciate your time. Not at all, David. Thank you. Just thank you. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Bye.